0: Good morning, Liberty.
1: Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston. I'm still by myself. I know. I know. I've been saying that every single day. This should be the last show uh, of just me for this week. We'll see. Charlie gets back tonight sometime. I don't... I mean, I, I haven't really asked, but I don't know exactly that he's going to feel like doing a show tomorrow. You know, you kind of get that day after the vacation buffer day. We'll see. I might just force him to do one and uh, then we'll have Dumb Leap of the Week on Friday. So that'd be cool. We're getting close to Christmas, doing all the Christmas shopping, all that stuff, because that's super important. I hope everyone's getting all their shopping wrapped up before it is uh, too late Today, I'm not going to talk about Christmas shopping anymore because today is White Pill Wednesday. So we're just going to talk about good things uh, that are going on around the country. There there are some. There's a few good things. I think it's important that we do this show, even though it does happen to be the least popular show of the week. Because really, who goes to a political show to listen to little wins or good things that are going on, right? We just want to complain about things and uh, talk about things that need changing. But every once in a while, there's something good and we need to point it out. That way we know that there's a reason that we do these things and a reason that we talk about them and a reason that we keep on fighting. So let's get in to some of these white pills for White Pill Wednesday. The first one has happened uh, a few days ago, but I thought it was pretty cool. I held off on talking about it until today. The ACLU who uh, used to be really, really good on free speech, not so much anymore, although sometimes they do some good things, and right now they're doing one of them. So I just wanted to highlight, whenever they do a good thing, they've got some competition out there with, uh, with FIRE, the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, and so maybe they're starting to do some good things again. But anyway, they're representing the NRA at the Supreme Court, in their case against New York's Department of Financial Services for abusing its regulatory power to violate the NRA's First Amendment rights, they say the government can't blacklist an advocacy group because of its viewpoint. And so that's that's pretty cool that they're doing that. Let's uh, let's go on. We don't. They do want to clarify though. They don't support the NRA's mission or its viewpoints on gun rights, and we don't agree with their goals, strategies, or tactics, but we both know that government officials can't punish organizations because they disapprove of their views. If the Supreme Court doesn't intervene, it will create a dangerous playbook for state regulatory agencies across the country to blacklist or punish any viewpoint-based organizations from abortion rights groups to environmental groups or even ACLU affiliates. There is a chance they're doing this because it's... uh, beneficial for them also to take this case on in the Supreme Court. But let's look a little bit at the article from the New York Times. Uh, the ACLU says it's never easy to defend those with whom you disagree, but the ACLU has long stood for the proposition that we may disagree with what you say, but will defend to the death your right to say it. Mr. Cole's group has been subject to occasional criticism that has become less attentive to free speech principles and more devoted to to values rooted in equality in recent years. That's some of the things that we would have to say about the ACLU in recent years. Uh, But he rejected that critique, even as he acknowledged that the decision to represent the NRA would not meet with universal praise from fans of the ACLU. They say it will be controversial within and outside the ACLU, but if it was easy, it wouldn't mean as much. He added... And this is, I think, is some good things for White Wednesday here. In this hyper-polarized environment where few are willing to cross the aisle on anything, the fact that the ACLU is defending the NRA here only underscores the importance of the free speech principles at stake. Uh, in a statement, the Civil Liberties Group drew a distinction. They said that they don't they, they don't agree with the NRA. I read that earlier. A central question in this case, the NRA versus Vulo is whether Maria Vulo, a former superintendent of the New York State Department of Financial Services, leveraged government power in a way that violated the First Amendment. According to the lawsuit, Ms. Vulo crossed a constitutional line by encouraging banks and insurance companies to stop doing business with the group after the 2018 school shooting in Parkland. A unanimous three-judge panel of U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit ruled against the NRA. A judge in that case writing for the panel acknowledged that government officials may not use their regulatory powers to coerce individuals or entities into refraining from protected speech. At the same time, however, which is like saying but, government officials have a right, indeed a duty to address issues of public concern. So they shouldn't do it, but also they have the duty to uh, do this when they think it's important enough. That's what the judge said. Ms. Fulow's actions were on the right side of the constitutional line, the judge wrote. Key documents, he said, were written in an even-handed, non-threatening tone, and employed words intended to persuade rather than intimidate. I am glad this is going to the Supreme Court because uh, this is also similar to the Biden administration pressuring social media companies to censor things. Also, the Trump administration uh, pressuring social media companies to censor things. And I think this is going to have some weight on those cases as well. The uh, Second Circuit's opinion below gives state officials free reign to financially blacklist their political opponents from gun right groups to abortion right groups, to environmentalist groups and beyond. In response, lawyers for Ms. Willow wrote that the ability to opine on important questions of public policy is vital to the work of many government officials. It doesn't mean you can use your powers to uh, what they're calling blacklist people, to get other people to stop donating to them. Uh, because you, as the government, have power, regulatory power, over the people that you are persuading uh, to not give them money. I think I think they're going to do okay in this case. Uh, the brief added uh, from her side, her legal side, that uh, Ms. Fulo did not violate the First Amendment by expressing her views regarding a national tragedy and encouraging regulated entities to consider their relationships with gun promotion organizations. Uh, so let me see. Anything else important in here? Nah, I think it's pretty good. They just bring up that uh, they're not just doing this for the NRA. They're doing this for other groups as well. What if they do it for immigrants' rights groups or Planned Parenthood or something like that? What if Donald Trump gets in and he does this against groups that he doesn't like? And so, of course, they are still trying to protect things that they care about, but it is a big step for them coming out and defending the NRA. So I wanted to give them props for for doing so. Something else going on uh, that has to do with New York City. I've been sitting on this one for like a week, waiting on a White Pill Wednesday show because I thought it was pretty cool. United Bodegas of America, it's like a union for bodegas, those little stores like you see on the corners and stuff, um, announces an initiative to arm workers in the New York City shops. The United Bodegas of America announced a controversial plan, controversial for some people, uh, to arm its workers so they can protect themselves from criminals. CBS spoke to concerned community members and to bodega employees who insisted it's necessary. A quote from one of the workers said, sometimes I do late nights and I do not feel safe at all. Uh, This person said that he'd been threatened too many times to count, so he's in support of the initiative to seek gun licenses for workers. Listen, it doesn't matter where you live. You know that at the end of the day, if the crime is rampant, that you're going to be safer. You're going to feel safer and be safer if you're able to arm yourself. Not only that, if the criminals know that you're able to arm yourself and that it's not a good idea to go in there and steal from you, well, that could actually decrease crime at the same time. Uh, The worker they're interviewing said, we actually need a weapon to back ourselves up. Yes. Just an hour before CBS spoke to Nassar, that's a worker, uh, police confirmed the man in his 30s was shot to death at a shop next door. Nassar said it was another example of why he plans to get his his gun license. And by the way, this United Bodega Workers or whatever of America, uh, they've got, I think, 230 people getting these licenses right now. And so, so that's pretty cool. Uh, the... Can I just call them UBA, United Bodegas of America? Quote, they say, make sure they are ready to protect themselves in case of a physical attack, in case of an armed attack. Well, that's one of the reasons that we should allow people to have guns, right? That's one of the reasons that we have these gun rights. Not only that reason, of course, we have that reason so we can protect ourselves from a tyrannical government and uh, make sure it stays in line every now and then, although we've kind of done a bad job at that. Um, the UBA said that the association has quietly been helping workers obtain carry permits since June 2022 when the Supreme Court struck down a New York law that placed strict restrictions on carrying concealed firearms in public for self-defense. quote "Thanks for the Supreme Court. thanks to the Supreme Court ruling right now able to break down the barriers that were preventing us from applying for a pistol. So we had a Supreme Court ruling. Uh, that said that they were being way too strict and making people prove that they should have the right to be able to carry a firearm. And the Supreme Court struck that down. And now we got people that need to protect themselves that are out there applying for these licenses that beforehand would not have been able to get them. And so that's pretty cool. That's a white pill, if you ask me. And like I said, I think it's around 230. There is a, a former FBI agent weighing in on this Uh, saying that this is not a good thing. Not a good thing for people to be protecting themselves. It's better for them to write a report and mop up the mess afterwards. However, many community members and local leaders said they are worried that more guns will lead to more violence. See, it's better for just the criminals to have guns. We've entered into the dumb portion of this article. Quote, I'm not sure having a gun is going to stop violent behavior. Uh, Founder of the Street Corner Resource, founder of Street Corner Resources, that's Dr. Leisha, whatever the last name is, I think we're going to to more likely see the gun used in the way that it should not have been. Having these bodega personnel with firearms, if something does go down in that bodega, now police have another firearm that they have to react to. It should it should just stay in the hands of the criminal, right? That's uh, That's way better. That's what Manny Gomez said, who is a former FBI special agent. You can go to godhatesfeds.com, by the way, and get yourself a God Hates Feds t-shirt. And uh, right now, you'll still be able to get it before Christmas. Okay, get it for your friends, get it for your family. Uh, This former FBI agent who doesn't want people to have guns to protect themselves from criminals said people who don't have the training that law enforcement and others have having a firearm... In comes a shoplifter and they get into words with a shoplifter and out comes a firearm and the situation is immediately dangerously escalated, Gomez said. All right, Uh, so of course he doesn't want people to have guns. That's awesome. Great job. Godhatesfeds.com, by the way, that's where you can get all the great merchandise here from Good Morning Liberty. Um, This from the Libertarian Party, got a text from a friend about this yesterday as well. We'll watch a little short video that they've made uh, for Defend the Guard. Libertarian Party says, breaking, defend the guard legislation has been filed in Tennessee. The bill would prohibit state National Guard units from being deployed into combat without a formal declaration of war by Congress. Special thanks to, and the person's handle for working so hard to push this locally. This is actually something people have been working really hard uh, for a long time on. And we're, we're uh, at least getting the legislation filed here in Tennessee uh, we'll see how that goes. I actually was not aware of how often National Guard units are used in overseas combat. I thought that those were the people that like stayed here and defended the nation. Uh, but I guess we had to go fight them over there, so we didn't fight them over here. I didn't realize that that was such a thing. And so they, they have this little video on their website uh, about this whole movement and what they're trying to do. It's an epic video. Ron Paul clips clips from all kinds of people, epic music, all that stuff. Let's play, this will will get you jacked up right here.
0: It was stated that only five times we have declared war in our history. True, but who's gonna stand here and say that men that died in Vietnam and in Korea weren't in a war?
2: Defend the Guard is one of the most important and exciting things happening in American politics today. Simply put, Defend the Guard legislation says that the states will refuse to allow the president to nationalize their guard troops for overseas combat without an official declaration of war by the U.S. Congress. It's not like hippies who are against yeah, the yeah, war. Yeah, yeah. It's badass combat vets who are telling you exactly why, short of a congressional declaration of war, you do not have the right to use the national reserves. So you know what I mean? To, for, for your In other words, never again since Congress, of course, will always refuse to take responsibility for the wars they finance. You tell that widow, or you tell that orphan, I'm sorry, son, but your father had to die because we didn't want to lose federal subsidies. The PBS NewsHour came out and did a 15-minute segment on Defend the Guard last year. Everywhere they testify before state legislatures, the Pentagon races to send a two-star general to try to intimidate the states into sticking with the status quo. You know what that means. It means that the Defend the Guard movement is hitting the war party right where it hurts. It puts the brakes on before we rush headlong into some unnecessary war again. Great nations do not fight endless wars. It's just true. And now the majority view. These wars do not serve the national interest. Only narrow, special interests. And while the government can safely disregard public opinion on almost every issue, without the mass support of the right, they just can't do it. If you really want to
1: honor veterans, quit making them To save America. All right, that's cool. I told you that. That video just gets you jacked up right there. Listen, that uh, like I said, I didn't really know that National Guard units were were pulled that often for these overseas wars. I, I just had a complete misunderstanding of what uh, what that meant or their ability to pull these troops. The, the thing is, if all the states were to do this, if all the states were to tell the president no and say, you've got to declare war before you can nationalize our troops, as this video just put it, um, that would at least make it to where we had to declare war because there's a large percentage of the troops that go overseas and fight actually that are coming from these National Guard units. And so you're actually, you're not just talking about, I know defend the Guard, like that's a cool thing for the National Guard members and all that. You're actually talking about holding back the forever war unit of our empire and forcing them to, to declare these wars. And, uh, that's a pretty big deal. That doesn't mean that this just got passed or anything doesn't mean that it's going on around the entire country or anything like that. Uh, but this is something that the states can get together and do. And, um, I think they should. And I, I hope that this goes through in Tennessee and I hope other states follow. And I also know, I know a lot of people who, uh, they're great people, they're fine people. And, um, they, they've done a lot of work on this and people just dedicate their lives to working on stuff like this and uh, just congrats to them on getting some recognition and um, getting this into the next phase. So let's go on to a, let me see. Yeah. Let's go on to another thing. Interesting story, kind of moving out of politics right now. I don't know how y'all would, how y'all would really feel about this. If this is a libertarian thing to do, I'm not really sure. Um, but I found it to be a pretty interesting story. And this was somewhat voluntary. There was a choice behind this. Okay. Woman who threw bowl of food at Chipotle worker is sentenced to work two months in a fast food job. Now you don't just sentence the person like, I I declare you have to go do this. There was a choice. You can you can serve your jail sentence for, you know, assaulting someone. With, uh, with this hot whatever you threw at someone. Um, or you can choose to go work for a couple of months at a fast food restaurant. Here's the story. In a creative use of the justice system of English common law, a woman in Ohio was sentenced to two months' work at a fast food restaurant after she was recorded throwing hot food in the face of a Chipotle worker. Reminiscent of the this uh, about the Seinfeld worker that part doesn't that part doesn't really matter. According to the woman's attorney, the offender pled guilty in the court. Uh, Timothy Gilligan, let's see, to like I don't know what all that means right there, to a misdemeanor assault charge and was given either the choice of ninety days jail time or thirty days with sixty days of mandatory service as a fast food worker, in addition to a two hundred and fifty dollar fine. Uh, which uh, she should be able to make in those 60 days. Uh, The judge said, uh, I was thinking, what else can I do rather than just have her sit in jail? That's a cool thing to think. I don't see her as any greater risk than anyone who walks in off the street, he said, pondering whether her reputation would make it impossible to get a job at a restaurant. I looked at it as someone who lost her cool. She's going to learn to work in fast food and hopefully it will be good, uh, said the Chipotle worker who was assaulted. Okay, so that's who was talking right there. Uh, Judge Gilligan hopes for the same, pointing out that it could hardly be otherwise when considering the quality difference between jail food and even the poorly prepared burrito bowl uh, that that apparently the person was upset about. Listen, I don't like sentencing people to hard labor or anything, but I do like the idea that this was an option. Like, okay, you assaulted someone, I guess, with some hot food, and uh, you can technically get a 90-day jail sentence for doing this. Or let's just do 30, and then you have to go work as a fast food worker. The other thing is it, it gives you some time to live in someone else's shoes for a little bit and maybe have some appreciation for the job that they have to do. Also, I, I mean, listen, um, I get mad at fast food workers quite a bit. I've never assaulted one before. Have I thought about it? Sure, I've thought about it plenty of times. I was going to say that fast food workers should have to spend some time in their customer's shoes, but they do. We should all realize what it's like to be in someone else's shoes sometimes. And maybe this person who got mad at the Chipotle worker will realize like, huh, okay, you mess up sometimes. Every once in a while you do something wrong. It doesn't mean that uh, you should just assault someone because they did something wrong. You could complain to the manager or whatever, uh, try and get it fixed but it doesn't mean you should just go throw some hot food at someone's face like it was something to do. You know. Also, I think people who work at restaurants should consider what it's like to go out to a restaurant and have a terrible experience. Uh, that's, if I were running the restaurant, that's the first thing I would tell. It's the first assignment I would tell everyone. Go eat out of the restaurant and ask yourself, is it important that I get good service? It, is it important to me that I pay and I get good food in return for this? I'm talking right now because I went to Chili's last night, had a terrible experience with the server and, um, left a bad review, like on the survey thing and all that. But, you know, don't you just, you ever consider what it's like to go out to a place and, and not feel like you got what you paid for and have a terrible experience and have to wait for everything. We should just do a good job because we want people to have good lives and have good experiences, you know? Anyway, sorry. I just, I just went to a restaurant last night and, um, was kind of thinking about this already before finding this story today. So I thought that I would vent that a little bit. That's a good point. What if their shoes are too small and you can't put them on? That's that's one that maybe the, the judge didn't think about. I don't know what the size is here, but I am hoping it works. And uh, hey, maybe this is how we'll get most of our fast food workers uh, from now on, people that are mandated to be there or they'll have jail time. Okay, I got one more thing here. Yeah, I think we're going to, I wanted to make sure we kept this inside the 30 minutes today. And um, this is cool. Just a real quick one. This one comes from um, the uh, Human Progress website. Microwaves on sale, 400 for the price of one. I don't need 400 microwaves. I don't know about you guys, Uh, but that's not the point really that they're making. Almost everything was more expensive in the past. Isn't that kind of weird to think about? Well, there actually is a way of thinking about this, and they do a pretty good job at explaining it. When microwaves were introduced to the household market in 1955, they cost $1,295. Back then, unskilled workers earned 97 cents an hour. So buying a microwave took them 1,335 hours of labor to get a microwave. Whew, okay. Today, you can pick one up at Walmart, for fifty-five dollars, unskilled workers now earn close to sixteen fifty per hour in some areas. I don't know, don't know where they are where they're talking about that. Putting the time price of a microwave at thirteen point three hours—that's pretty cool. The time price of a microwave has dropped ninety-nine point eight percent. You could get four hundred microwaves today for the time price of one in nineteen fifty-five. Microwave abundance has been increasing at 921 I like that they've got all these stats out there. We got a stat for how fast microwave abundance has been increasing. It's been increasing at a rate of 9.21% compound annual rate. Without all this innovation, a microwave would cost $22,000 today. That's a lot. Innovation has given us 1,331 hours to do something else with our lives, like creating new products or just enjoying reading blog posts from this website or listening to podcasts. Doing the time value of things, how much time it would cost you, it would take you to be able to afford a certain item is a really great way of doing this in this website. Uh, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. They have a lot of great things like this, refrigerators, computers, stuff like that. How long would you have to work to be able to afford this when it first came out? And how long would you have to work to be able to afford this? It puts in the context all of the nice innovations that have happened over, well, at this point, you know, almost 70 years for the, uh, for the microwave, but then for, for computers and for all kinds of other household items that we take for granted, that used to be only available for the rich, essentially that now they're just, they're just, favorite. we throw them away because we got too many of them. We don't want to deal with someone saying they're going to pick it up on Facebook marketplace and they never come and do it. Okay. And so we just end up throwing crap away all the time. And things, things have gotten better. Some things, not so much. But all of these nice, beautiful amenities that we have, uh, yeah, it's it's gotten quite a lot better. I think I talked about the same thing uh, earlier last week about if someone time traveled from the past and they came to right now, you know, they would be amazed. They would be completely amazed by the things that we have. And a random thing like microwaves might not seem like a big deal, but uh, it is to me and it is to you, whether you know it or not. Listen, everyone. A nice short White Pill Wednesday show for you. You know what? I got one more little video because I want to give someone props for doing good things. Benny Johnson. I'm going to do that. Uh, this is pretty cool. We're not going to watch the whole video. But um, ben, Benny Johnson is someone who I don't agree with every single post that I see, but does at least seem to be a pretty good dude doing some good things or at least does good things Uh, to be able to post them on X, which is still good for everyone. It doesn't really matter what the motivations are. But um, Benny Johnson says, we built a free Christmas toy store in the poorest place in America. Watch what happens next. This video was funded by our X subscribers and Creator Revenue. Thank you for making this possible and giving these families a Merry Christmas. So this is a nice little video of them setting up a toy store and giving people free toys for Christmas. We took an abandoned general store
0: and turned it into a Christmas Wonderland, Santa's workshop. 427 individual items, bikes, action figures, dolls, stuffed animals, video games, Legos, sports balls, and anything a kid could want. Are you excited? Yay! And here's the kicker. Everything in this store is 100% free. We built our toy store in Alamo, Georgia, because the average family income here is about $20,000 per year. A quarter of the entire county lives below the poverty line, in part because there's a large prison population here. But we came here to serve our fellow Americans no matter who they are. We share a country together, they're our neighbors. These days, there's plenty of attention on other countries around the world, but we forget that millions of Americans need help too. And some of them live right here in Alamo, Georgia. Let's take care of our own country first. course you can't build a santa's workshop without santa and luckily santa claus georgia is just a few minutes down the road from our toy store where's santa we
1: got all these toys to give away to these kids oh it's pretty cool seeing people give toys away to kids so what they did was they gave all the kids uh tickets you know you can't just have a free toy store and everyone walks in the toys are gone in like five minutes but everyone gets a ticket they're able to go in there and get whatever they want here's a Part of a clip of the that happening. Empty
0: warehouse just a few days ago now houses nearly 500 toys around the store. So how does this free toy store work? First, the children get a ticket. Then they select their toy. That ticket can be exchanged for any toy in the store, and then they go see Santa.
1: Merry Christmas.
0: Are you ready?
1: All right, pretty cool. I forgot about that video. I just thought we end with something Christmassy, something pretty cool, and kids getting free toys. That's pretty cool. And people taking their money and putting it to good use, the money that they're making off of being a creator, even on on X, something like that, putting it to good use. That's a good thing. All right, folks, if you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you enjoyed today's episode anyway. And just me talking by myself about good things. Charlie's back tomorrow. It's almost time for us to get back to normal over here. Okay. Uh, So make sure you subscribe, tell a friend, tell a family member, tell the children, go to goodmorningliberty.us, go to joingml.com, go to godhatesfeds.com, go to joingmlnews.com. Remember every single one of those websites, go to our podcast uh, channel on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating and review, uh, comment on X and Facebook and Instagram and share things and do all those good things if you think people need to hear this message that Charlie and I are giving every single day of the week when we want to. All right, folks, we will be right back here again tomorrow. Same Liberty time, which is whenever the heck we want, and same Liberty channel. Until then, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.